we all have moments where we feel insecure. Without awareness, those moments of insecurity shape so much of our lives. Hi, I'm Chris McAllister, and I founded SightShift to help people like you and me, leaders and coaches, use the moments they feel insecure to transform their identity, their teams, and their culture. Listen in as I interview people around what it means to be the kind of leader who uses these moments to transform themselves. Hey, hey, SightShift friends, welcome. I am so excited for you to meet another friend, Denise DeLong. Denise, glad you could be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's a privilege to have you. I, I'm so inspired by you because a little context for us walking through transformation with organizations, it's one of those things where when we're in a situation where there's a person like yourself, a visionary who's been leading at the helm, woman-owned business in the construction industry. So for listeners, right, we've already hit some things that make you stand out <laughs> to have the kind of growth that you've had. And in the middle of that, be also at a place where you're thinking beyond and transition and all that. Um, what a privilege to be in this space with you. And, and the thing that I really want to kick off with is where did this passion for growth and learning come from? I mean, in your old office, there's this bookshelf of books and you're like resourcing your <laughs> leaders with books. Yeah, right. Has that been with you as long as you can remember? Was there a light bulb that went off? So I've always had a passion for, I'm going to say, when I say always for education, right? But I think there was a um, pretty significant period of time. And well, let me back up. So I went for my MBA after I was already in the workplace and I did that and had my first child and worked full time, had a promotion. Literally, I think one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, I believe I burned myself out. So there was a period of time between that and then working in the business instead of on the business where I didn't have the time to really spend on continuing to learn and develop. And then what happened was, and I don't even remember when it started, but whatever, <laughs> the, the, the fire got lit. And once that fire got lit, it's just, it's not slowed down. And I think part of the reason why it got lit, right, is because I saw how I started to transform the business as a result of learning it just kind of, I guess it evolved naturally. And then once I started moving, I, it's like, you can't look back. Oh man, that's so cool. All of our conversations, the, the connection, the closeness, you know, that was something I was so excited to ask just because it doesn't come up in the flow of our, our work together. But yeah, at, you know, I hear about what you're saying, like, Hey, I'm reading this new yeah. book and to right. stay on the edge and, and to stay almost like passionate about growth through the challenges you've been through is, is truly rare and commendable to give folks a sense of kind of the complexity of what you face and the challenge of what you face. Tell us a little bit about the story with Singleton, you know, where you've come from, where you're at and, and where you're headed. So the story is my mom and Chris Singleton actually founded Singleton. That happened like what, 20, I think we're 26 years ago. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom and needed to create a career and they got involved in residential construction. When they did that, they were approached by Walmart through a family friend, but approached by Walmart to do subcontractor work for Walmart. 
and they did that. And then, but slowly but surely through the years, they went from a subcontractor to contract management and then up to full general contractor. So again, they had an evolution. So from basically residential up to general contractor in a commercial space, and they only did it for Walmart. And so they did that for years. And then um, my mom, she was a traveling superintendent, and she did that because in, in their opinion at that time, my mom had a difficult time working with the men at Walmart in the construction group. And again, I'm just saying that was the current situation they were under. And so she kind of got pocketed into working with our own teams, but she did a fantastic job at it. And so Chris Singleton would work with the Walmart management and then mom would work with the field teams and, and manage the projects. And she did that for years. And then she got breast cancer. So when she got breast cancer, you can't travel the country and do construction projects and manage the projects and have cancer. Those two don't go along. So when that happened, she had approached me and said, you know, would you come in and take over or think about it? And at first I was like, no, then I started feeling guilty. <laughs> I said, well, you can't help your mom, right? What? So I, I quit my career and I felt I had a career. I had a path that I had picked and I was going down that path and it definitely wasn't construction. So I came in and it took, I don't know, I would say five years. It took a while before I felt like I wasn't making a sacrifice in my previous career and that this became kind of my destiny versus me just helping my mom. Wow. Wow. That is so encouraging. I think for anyone listening to this and, and we got such a big picture view, we're going to give people on that encouragement, but yeah, sometimes we're cooperating with something that's unfolding in our lives. We don't set out with that vision or intention, you know, that bloom where you're planted. There's a reason that sticks yeah. around, right? Uh, yeah. that's inspiring. Yeah. So yeah. as, as you yeah. look at coming in and, and in, then getting into that, I love that word destiny over that five-year period, tell us a little bit about the snapshot of kind of what the size of the business was like now, uh, or, or then, and where it is at now. Cause I think what people need to understand is, you know, the complexity of what you're facing and what you've been through. Uh, you've seen a lot, you've done a lot. Yeah. So I was the first employee. We didn't have any employees. We had one construction team and that team could do one Walmart renovation project at a time. And what happened was, as uh, soon as I got involved, I don't know, my mom did training, right? But really quickly, uh, as soon as I could do it on my own, I did it. So let's say within six months or so that my mom would only occasionally get involved if I needed her to help with something. I came in in May and in November, went into a annual meeting for Walmart and they changed everything. So I'm gonna give you an example, like safety, right? My mom didn't have a documented safety program. Well, most people might not know what a documented safety program is for a construction uh, company, but it's a comprehensive document, right? <laughs> and so that's just one example of many different processes and procedures that we didn't have in place. And so I remember leaving that meeting and like, I got a massive headache and I was just from the stress of it. And I was just like, how does one person do this? And I, but I didn't have a choice because it was either I and then you're talking from November to had to be in place by January. <laughs> And if I didn't have it in place, we couldn't bid. We couldn't participate in that next year's of projects. So I literally came home and just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked until I could get as much of it as in place as possible so that we could start that year. And there were a whole lot of other changes, not just 
process and procedure, but people, I needed to have teams and help and, you know, on and on. And so, so first employee, and then again, through the years, but I, I started, I think we had like $200,000 in cash. Right. And so the other piece of that is that you're bootstrapping it. So everything you do, you have to be frugal. You have to be conscientious of money and debt to me was bad. You know, my mom had had some, you know, different things happen in her life. And so I was just, Hey, I'm, I need as much flexibility as possible. So I don't want debt. So I just slowly, but surely, right. You know, year after year after year, you know, continue to grow and, and continue to develop it. And, and again, I think that's part of why I grew slow and it took me so long, you know, somebody me more aggressive might've done it a lot faster than what I did. But again, I still think it, it was the path that we were supposed to go in. Yeah. Well, you've got a real, what I've observed is a, a real sense of trusting your intuition at those moments when you're setting pacing or directional decisions. And so now you guys have how many team members, employees, and tell us about a little bit of the scope of the kind of projects you're doing. I think we're probably close to 110. So we were doing seven, seven to eight projects a year when I started. That's assuming they weren't doing any called special projects, smaller projects. So let's say 10 at the most to thousands now. And I say thousands, and that can be a little bit crazy to people, but we do a high number of really small projects that might be four hours to a day to four days on to, you know, four or five, six month projects. But literally we do, um, and we had one customer, right? Just Walmart. And now, um, you know, we have, I don't know, probably 12 really, really solid customers and top brands that everybody would recognize. There's just, there's no, there's no comparison, right. As to where we're at and where we started and where, <laughs> where we're at now, which to me is so cool because this is what I tell people all the time is that I look at what we were even just five years ago. Right. I'm like, okay, if in the next five years that we have, and I'm not talking revenue, I'm not talking dollars and profit. I'm talking people and what you can accomplish and what you can do in this world. The platform we have now, what they can do in five, 10, 15, 20 years. It's just super exciting. So you take, think of like me, 16 years from one person to where we're at now. Can you imagine the velocity, right? Just the mathematical equation between now and what the next 16 years could bring this group of people. That's awesome. Well, and, and what's coming through, because I want to draw attention to this for people listening, is that the passion here is people, the people we're going to be able to give jobs to. And through giving them jobs, give them a great culture and develop them and grow them. And, and that's the thing that, you know, stands out so huge because we get distracted by, you know, almost like this false illusion of business and the kinds of businesses we build. And, and here you are in an industry that is definitely not naturally pro-women. Right. You're All right. of the history mm -hmm. and the baggage of that. Not saying anything negative. It just is. We can be honest about, you know, and stayed with it and grown it. That's the thing for me that is powerful about the story. And for too many people, you know, they get distracted by almost like this business has to look cool and be cool. And I can tell you, oftentimes those are the most broke businesses. It's in the yeah. raw guts of doing work that adds value and impacting yeah, people. Right, right. So yeah. as you've been on this yeah. journey, really coming into that uh, moment with your mom and the transition and almost burning yourself out and, and learning like crazy, you've seen cycles and seasons and transitions. This is kind of a lot of times we're all in the episode, but I want to start here. What do you see happening right now? And maybe we could even make this really pointed to women in business. What do you see happening right now in, in the business world and, and the economy and all that's going on? And where do you think 
people like yourself out there listening need to be encouraged the most? If we want to talk about diversity, if we want to talk about women in construction, I think that, so first of all, I think it's exciting that people are focusing on getting more women interested in, and again, that's just taken off on that one part of what your your question or statement was, but I think it's super exciting. We're being more deliberate about getting women interested in in construction, for sure, because it's needed. Construction is one of the most complicated fields in this country. I mean, they compare it to the medical field. That's why we have all these different disciplines within construction, just like how we have all these different disciplines in medicine, because the human body is highly complex, construction, highly complex. And so there's always room for complex problem solving. And this is not to say anything about men or women, different, whatever, but it's, it's a fact, right? The women's brain, there's less place between those two, <laughs> two sides of your brain, right? So women can do really, really well just at being successful within the construction industry, just because the complexity of it, how much you have to pivot, you know, the problem solving, juggling lots of different things. I think it's a great fit for, you know, women in construction. So I'm, I'm excited about that, about getting more interested because it's a fantastic career field. The one thing I'm going to have to say, I think maybe concerns me a little bit, and this is part, you know, people ask me this question all the time, you know, that it's like people want to see, and I, I guess I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I feel like people want to see that I've not been treated right. You know, they want to see that I've been treated differently, or, you know, I have that story of, you know, abuse, neglect. I think that my take has always been, I don't see myself different. So since I don't see myself different, I don't look for the differences. You put your head down and, and, I, and I'll give me a great example. Like I'll go to events and there'll be a group of, of you know, people in whatever smoking cigars, right? I don't smoke cigars. So I can either just go in there and talk to them while they're smoking their cigars and like, who cares, right? Or I can be like, oh, they're smoking cigars and I don't smoke cigars and now we're different and I don't feel like I'm included and I don't feel like I'm part of them. And so I just really believe that we can't focus on the differences. You focus on what you are good at and you build relationships and you meet them wherever they're at and whatever common you do have. So I don't smoke cigars, but we both have kids. So we can talk about kids, right? So I just really believe that if you if you go down the path and you focus on the negative and you focus on the differences, yeah. that's all you're going to see versus building the common ground where you do have something in common. So that's always my caution. And again, I know everybody's got a different story about it and some people have not been treated fairly and you know, et cetera, but I've just yeah. put my head yeah. down and just, you just push, you just push forward. So yeah, people are looking for that salacious story. And it's like, okay, surely, no doubt, there has been massive stories of trauma or whatever. But if the regular rhythm was this kind of victorious mindset rather than a victim mindset, how much more yeah. starts to work out because we're not creating that unnecessary friction. So did that come kind of naturally to you when you were stepping into these conferences and, and it was just there? Or did you have a moment where you had to kind of like stumble for a second and learn it? I have been in survival mode for 16 years. So you do what it takes to be successful and you make it work. That's all there is to it. So if you think about like what you mentioned, the victim mentality, right? So if, if you have the mentality of where 
you have to be successful. You have to be. And I'm not talking about compromising any of your values or, or um, right, that's never a question, right? That's, that's meaning, you know, ground zero, you are staying true to what you believe, right? But you got to make it work. And you got and you just have to pivot and you just have to continue to plug along. Because to me, the, the whole is better than the part, right? So if you have to compromise, and I don't mean compromise in a bad way, but if you have to, to push to make everybody successful, then you you do what it takes to make sure that everybody is successful. Hey, okay, so I'm going to nerd out here a little bit. There's a movie called Interstellar. Have you seen it with Matthew McConaughey? And mm -hmm. and they're in space no. and this catastrophe uh -huh. has happened. And the basically computer was like, that's impossible. It says that to the McConaughey character. And he goes, impossible, but necessary. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like our spirit uh, is so connected on this. It's been a number of years and reinventions and, and it's a scrappiness and and you just like, you got to find the way, you know, you wake up on Monday and you're like, this is what I got to get done. I don't know how, but I got to find that way. You got to find the way. Yeah. And, it, and part of that also is, so one of our values is delivering excellence, right? And, and one of the things we say to people all the time is you solve the problem, right? So you can't deliver excellence by giving the problem to somebody else and expecting them to solve it, right? So it's, it's that, that drive to truly fix things and make things and make things better and not have that attitude where I'm going to hand it off to somebody else. And so we work on that all the time at Singleton and, you know, new people coming on our tour organization. They don't know that they don't understand that they've not experienced that they've not been required to do it before. And it's hard to take on the responsibility of this is my problem, nobody else's problem, and I have to fix it. Mm. Yes. I, anybody listening to you talk right now can hear like, okay, this woman has a deep well of wisdom to offer. You're in, and, and, you know, honestly, a lot of our connection, you know, I'm, I'm pouring into you. So I'm loving this right now. Like you're, you're, you're pouring it out um, with the battles, with the wisdom. We always have another frontier and, and you can be as vulnerable on this as you want to be. I know you'll have to, can't share everything, but where right now do you find yourself challenged? What's that next horizon you're trying to step into, grow into, and learn? I think that my biggest challenge is, well, first of all, right, is to figuring out, and you and I, of course, have had so many conversations about this, right, that what is the next thing that I'm supposed to work on within the business, right? So, you know, you go from one to some to many, for support. And, you know, we have this exercise in the business that we call start, stop, continue. And so if you get a new role, what are you, what are you going to stop doing? And then what do you have to start doing? And what are you going to do that you did before? So with me, that's been a constant challenge as the business has evolved is to where am I supposed to plug in? Where do I add the value? What is the most important piece that I bring to Singleton as well as becoming a more secure leader in there. You got to layer that in there also, right? Because I can't bring, it's one thing when you're doing, when you've got a project and you have activities that you have to do to that project versus now I have to lead a business. I have to motivate a business. I have to, it, it's the, it's the soft, it's the not concrete deliverables, that I have to provide. So you go from concrete deliverables to soft 
fuzzy deliverables and, and requires a different person, requires different skills, as well as it's harder to identify you're supposed to do. So I think it's that whole transition from day to day. I didn't have to think about what I was going to do. It was driven. Hey, you have to do this because it's coming at you to now you have to plan and be more deliberate about activities. And it's at a totally different level. You're trying to inspire people versus just getting work done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well said. That time horizon changes because you're like, this is what's coming at me. And then you shift into what am I preparing us for? that that's coming next. And that's why I think, you know, you've got so much critique in uh, so many different spaces regarding business. And we always need voices that are out there, kind of the prophets in the wilderness, calling us to our ethical best. But too often the peanut gallery, you know, weighs in. And unless you've been in that place, navigating those complexities, it's just hard to understand that transition. Um, what through these transitions and seasons you've been through, and this is going to be probably a difficult question to answer, uh, cause you're a growth oriented person you want to improve, but what have you learned to really appreciate about who Denise is? What do you like about yourself the most? Um, I think I like the most about myself. I want to grow and I want to be better and I want to develop. I think that not everybody's that way. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that right? That, um, I, I have friends that are just completely comfortable in where they're at in life and what <laughs> yeah. they're doing in life. That's great. But at the same time, I don't think that Singleton would be where it was at if I didn't have that drive to get better and to be better and to make us better and to make the people working for me better. Right. So I really think that drive to be better even though in a, in a certain way, if it's not managed correctly, right, it could be an insecurity, right, versus just truly trying to achieve something. Um, so I think that's, to me, the one of the things that I value the most is that I just don't ever give up and I'm always trying to be, to be better, so. Oh, yeah, inspired by that. You So you talked about this insecurity, security, and for those listening that know Sight Shift, they know this language. You know, this is not something I don't think I've ever asked before, but it's it's showing up now. And, and so I'll ask this and then I'll get to the, the, I think, the bigger implication. What drew you in first? He, hearing me kind of talk a little bit about this, what was the thing that you were like, I think there's more there for me? Oh, man, I think that... So I'm always trying to find the root cause of things, right? If we're going to truly fix a problem, you have to understand what the root cause of that problem is. And, and let's say you don't know the root cause, you can come up with lots of solutions. And this is, this is some basic lean, like manufacturing construction concepts, right? And how you solve a problem, you know, the, the five whys, et cetera, but that, and there's so much leadership content out there, so much, right? So you you literally could read, I don't know what, hundreds of books and uh, on communication, all kinds of ideas on how to improve your communication, all kinds of ideas. To me, what SightShift did was showed a tool to use to figure out the root cause communication problems. And I say problems, but obviously it's much deeper than that. But so that's why I think I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first 
time I've ever been exposed to anything that I could look at and say, now I know why I'm doing that. Now I know why she's doing that. Now I know why he's doing that. And then when you can get to that level, you can actually fix the problem. If not, you just got a tool. Well, yeah, you just keep learning that tool, but if you don't figure out what the root cause of it is, you're going to have to use that tool a thousand times. So that's to me, what was most impactful is that, and it, and it just, it made total, absolute total sense. So encouraging. I mean, that's, I love it because yeah, I see so many get on this treadmill of getting those tools. Uh, we can think about like the fruit of the tree, getting those skills, the trunk, mm -hmm. skipping over the root, you know, what is shaping mm -hmm. that behavior mm -hmm. and when people yeah. get it, it changes everything. I do have to say, like, some people yeah. get it, like, at the three-foot end of the pool. Some people get it at the really deep end of the pool. And you really had ability to grasp the real far full implication in a deep way. Uh, what what still sticks with you the most, you know, going through that process, learning about secure identity and the work you did? Well, if, so first of all, what sticks me the most is it never goes away. I believe that just like what you've talked about, that you feel like we're born with a, a dominant fear. And in my mind, I don't ever expect it to go away. I expect it just like what you talk about hiding or proving, right? So it's looking for those flags. It's looking for the behavior but it's not, it's not going to necessarily go away. And again, I, I could be wrong, but I just think it's so embedded into our fabric. Like I talked about what I appreciate the most about me is being better. Part of that is driven by my performance fear, right? So if, if I am so driven by performance, well, if you're not getting better, how do you have good performance? Right? So, um, so either way, so I don't, I don't think necessarily it's, it's going to go away. It's just that we're going to get better at re recognizing it. And then can also kind to train our brain to go down different patterns instead of down a negative pattern to go down, you know, positive or relaxed pattern, right? To be able to relax into it versus being stressed and pushing forward. Somebody pull up a chair because Denise is yeah. teaching night shift. <laughs> this is awesome. You know, it's it's this idea new levels bring new devils. And so he, just even a couple of days ago, there was an opportunity where I and a teammate were could be there. And um, I trust him to be there for me, the nature of a team, right? And, and I couldn't be there. But what was wild to me was because it was a much more significant responsibility, big implications for the impact of the business. This thing showed up just for a moment. It just, I felt it come up in me. It was like, Chris, you got to go. And then it was like, okay, well, why do I feel like I got to go? Because I have to make sure I control something rather than trusting this teammate. And I know nobody <laughs> listening to this podcast now has ever struggled with whether or not I should over control or under control. But I was like, oh, man, I am. I'm going to step into a mode. I'm going to be proving yeah, I have yeah. to I have yeah. to release this. Yeah. I trust this person. So, yeah, that was a couple of days ago. And if I sat down and thought long enough, I could tell you about a story this morning. <laughs> you know, that's the nature yeah. of it. I know. It's just it's incessant. Yeah, I think it's I think it's incessant. And there's a lot of it that I catch. Right. I'm probably a ton of it. I don't catch. But I look at it as, you know, we're evolving. Right. And so I know it. I'm catching some of it, but not knowing it, you have no chance to catch it no chance at all. So without having, and that's where I talked about where you said about learning, right? So if I wouldn't have been in learning mode, I would never have met you. I would never have, what's interesting to me, right? It's even 
when you talk about my backup. So one of the things I explained to some of the people, as many as I can at work that I work with is that, you know, as I am not out at activities and events and conferences, as much as I used to, that I need them to always have their sense of awareness on who they're supposed to meet and who they're supposed to follow up with. Right. So backup, if I wouldn't have had a learning mentality, I would never have met you. Right. Because I met you because I was part of a group that we network and learn from each other. Then I meet you. And if I wouldn't have followed up, then I wouldn't have spent all this time with you. Right. So to me, it's not also just about that learning attitude. It's that how do you follow up and how do you decipher who we're supposed to be plugged into and who we're not. But regardless, I encourage all the people that I work with, and as they're released more and more into activities and conferences and things like that, is that if they don't continue that, that growth, then we could stall. Because a big part of the change I try to put in place is by making those connections with other human beings and being exposed to things like sight shift. That's that's powerful. I mean, it's like I've been saying lately, awareness is the answer. What's the question? I mean, yeah. that's that starting yeah, point. You right. don't know what you don't know. Well, when you so kind, I mean, I, I'm just inspired. I'm, I'm really inspired because I don't often get surprised. And in our journey, there was a moment where I was like, okay, Denise is at a crossroads. Is she going to, and no doubt towards you at all. It's just such a big thing. Is she going to step into the next iteration of what's happening when really you think about it now as a, as a third generation, you know, transition that, that is so fraught with so many pitfalls and ditches. And when you get into multi-generational transition, there is a reason this goes so wrong. And, and here's what I see over and over and over people in your spot, the CEO owner, they will either go to one extreme and give lip service to a transition, but not heart service. They don't really back it up. They don't put their hands on their child's shoulder and look them in the eye and go, there's going to be a transition here and I'm going to start trusting you to lead the way. And I'm here beside you, right? They, e they either give lip service to that and not heart service or they just just keep putting it off. They're, they're never going to actually step into it. And I watched you say it and now you've been doing it. And, uh, Wow. Inspiring. Well, and part of the, part of the putting off too, I say is that the reason why I think people put it off is it's hard. It is so hard. I mean, we were meeting with attorneys two weeks ago, just planning and I'm just, it's, it's mind boggling. The complexity of trying to plan for the next generation of who is going to own and be involved with Singleton's ownership is so complicated. And I see why people don't do it. It's hard. You have to have difficult conversations. You, you know, the, the, the options, even just to analyze all the options, it's, it's a lot, it's, you know, it's a lot of work. But one thing that I think that is so important is that I remember being part of a group and this goes years ago and I went into, they had a meeting and I went in and there were, two of, it's like a business networking group, right? And two of the, there was like seven of us and two of them had family businesses. They both had damaged relationships within that business, whether it be their brothers or whether it be their fathers or whether it be their mothers. These two is mainly brothers and fathers, right? And they had damaged relationships. And one of the guys I said to him, and this was a very successful business. 
lots of wealth and he and his dad's relationship was damaged now. And I told him, I said, what, how much money do you need? Right. I, I mean, how much money do you really need? Do you really need to damage your relationship with your dad? Because you guys already have millions and millions of dollars, but they wanted more. Right. And he felt like he deserved it now because he was doing the job and his dad wasn't right. But regardless, I think that's where you have to look at what what's your driver? Is it money or is it relationships? If your driver's relationships, then it's the relationships, which is most critical, which then that's where you focus on developing. But if it's on money then it's about power, it's about ego, it's about, Oh, I do that better or, you know, et cetera. So I just really think that if you can focus on the relationship piece being the most important thing, which money will come when you do that, but also not just money, but joy and happiness and things outside of that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. If money's what's foundational, it's going to make all the problems worse. Mm -hmm. If it follows the relationship, it can amplify all the good parts and yeah. help protect in the bad parts. Because as you're talking right. about, you're going through this transition conversation with the attorneys. Those kind of conversations cast so much light on every crevice of every option that it draws out any shadow. It draws out these hard conversations. And it's another opportunity, right, to pay attention to where we're proving or hiding, how we're learning to be secure in this. And and uh, for me, I, I'm just chills just hit me thinking about it. You are establishing a legacy through not only how you started that five year period of it, not only how you've built it up to what it is, but for this next leg of the journey with Singleton, what it means to run through that phase of the tape well, so to speak, you know, run through that tape like a great runner. Really, really awesome. For leaders out there as a whole, because we know any leader listening to this is facing complex environments, all kinds of uncertainties. Uh, what, what would just be something you would love to give folks as they have a, have a strong, encouraging takeaway other than the takeaway we've already hit uh, from this episode today? I think that, you know, with me, right, when you, when you focus on the relationships, then you naturally focus on being a stronger leader, in which I already mentioned that, right? But if, if I focus on the business activities, I can, I can get off the mark. Right. And I think part of that is to, let's say, you know, performance fears or whatever that might be. Right. You know, project goes is unsuccessful customers unhappy. And before you know it, I'm going down the path of not being the kind of leader, like what you talk about Sage, right. But not being the, the leader that I want, that I want to be. And so I think that it's just for so many years, right. I focused on the mechanics of the business not that I don't care about people and treat people well, or we wouldn't be where we're at today, right? I just think that as leaders, we have to do a really good job of understanding the impact that we're having on the people. And, you know, there's been so many times where I used to almost get frustrated because I'm like, I can't say anything because they're going to get upset. But it took me a long time to figure out the power of and the influence I had because I didn't look at myself as powerful. I didn't look at myself as influential. If I say something in the wrong way to somebody, it just really impacts, you know, who they are, what they believe about themselves and how they believe, how they feel about working for me. So I just really think that, you know, focusing on those leadership skills and how we treat people and we're going to get a bigger impact. So you talk about legacy, right? So that's where you get the legacy. I'm not going to get the legacy from, you know, bringing in more revenue. 
I'm going to get the legacy by when I'm at the funeral and all of the people from Singleton are there and can tell great stories about what we did. That's the legacy. But you got to, it's hard to keep that in the front of your mind when you've got all these business activities and details and minutia to focus on that, right? So I think that for so long, I was so stuck in the business, right? And not that I, I still don't have these issues, but just focus on the legacy, the impact, the people side of it. Don't let that get away from you and only focus on the minutia of the, the day-to-day of what's being done. The mechanicals of business, I guess I would say. That's awesome. I have no doubt people are listening to this going, they're at a, they're stressed over a mechanical and they're like, okay, how can I get to the heart of this with the person? Something that was really huge for me. I don't, I don't remember if I've shared this here or, you know, it's been a while, but, uh, you know, I'm 30 years old. This is 16 years ago and I'm leading with all this vigor and enthusiasm and the vision and the vision and the vision. And my friend was like, dude, the vision is the people. And it just knocked me backward. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like the point of an institution, a workplace, an organization, whatever, it, it's to make people better. And, and yes, what we're doing together collectively for this organization to add value and drive economic impact matters. So, so our organizations need a vision, but ultimately at the core, the visions of the people. Yeah, right. Right. And I think that, again, that's with me, right? It was that I was so stuck in the mechanics of making this work because that was my big challenge that it just took me a while. And I, and I think I'm there, but it's more work is needed. Right. And, um, and that's, again, that whole stop, start, continue, right. As I evolve into that, it's how do I now focus more on the people and not on the mechanics and, and really build people up that way. So what a great opportunity, right. To be able to even be able to do that. I mean, it could be, I could be stuck in the mechanics and we wouldn't have grown to the point where I, I could do that. Cause I truly do believe that's where my heart's at is to do that. Now I just have to figure out how to do it, but true to leadership, the how will come. You've got the what and the why, and I hear it. I feel like I've been able to see it today. And that's been a gift to me and a gift to everyone listening or watching. Thank you, Denise, for coming on here and sharing your story. Such a privilege to have you. Well, thanks for, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here. You know that self-leadership is difficult. And as you listened, if you found within yourself a desire for more awareness for yourself, your team, or your culture, or the people that you would guide as a coach, you can find more at SightShift.com, S-I-G-H-T-Shift.com to take the next step.